0: Welcome to the Bruins Success Podcast. Our interview today is with Matthew J. Wiener. Matt is a 2010 UCLA grad and is currently a Partner, Managing Director, and Head of Consulting and Business Development at Innovative Partnerships Group, or IPG 360. He oversees growth for the company, serving as a member of the advisory board and executive team with leadership duties across overall revenue, operations, strategic growth, as well as leading property, brand, and project based consulting work including the overall sponsorship and naming rights division across domestic and international clients. He manages a dynamic and high-performing team across the country and oversees the recruiting and hiring efforts for the firm. Prior to Innovative Partnerships Group, Matt was a senior executive at Wasserman and responsible for long-term partnerships for the Fortune 500 and global rights holders. Prior to Wasserman, Matt worked for the San Diego Padres ownership group as a member of the front office holding multiple revenue positions, quickly working his way up through the organization, holding the top sales position in the front office every year during his tenure in Major League Baseball. Matt is actively involved with the UCLA Alumni Association Sports and Entertainment Network and serves as an executive member of the Milken Institute's Global Young Leaders Circle. Welcome, Matt, to the podcast.
1: Welcome back to another episode of Bruin Success. I'm here today with Matt Weiner, and uh, we are going to learn quite a bit about his very exciting business career. Matt, thanks for joining us.
2: Yeah, it's lovely to be here.
1: Let's jump in. Let's. Uh, I'd love to hear a little bit about your trajectory. I know you were super involved back in your UCLA undergraduate days. Can you talk a little bit about your studies and what was keeping you on busy and uh, what was keeping you busy on campus?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, One of the early lessons I took from going to school at UCLA was it's such a big campus that you really have to make it your own. And I couldn't say enough about the curriculum. I studied uh, international economics uh, with a focus on uh, Europe and and Spanish-speaking countries and um, a minor in Spanish and and in global studies. it was it was a very challenging major and curriculum, but uh, I think what was more of a challenge for me was how to make a really large campus like UCLA um, a small campus. And so was very active, um, happy to share, but couldn't say enough about the experience and um, going back as much as I would tell my parents that I was focused on my studies, I was probably more focused or equally focused on all the extracurricular activities and being involved in campus.
1: Well, sometimes that's what leads to internships, jobs, future opportunities. So were there sort of pivotal moments that influenced where you find yourself today?
2: Yeah, you know, there are are a few. So um, my career has been largely a marriage of investment banking and sports business and so um why i say that is i thought i was going to go into investment banking when i was studying international economics and in at ucla and then very quickly over the course of my studies i was doing some internships so my my first internship i interned for ucla athletics um, at the time, it was ISP Sports, which then got acquired by IMG College, and um, for those of you who are familiar or aren't familiar, um, UCLA has had a long-standing relationship with IMG, and my internship was out outside of, well, inside of Poly Pavilion, but the old Poly Pavilion, um, and this was, I think, sophomore year of college. I was running up and down um, the the rows inside of the arena and interfacing with all the season ticket holders to help activate the partners of ucla athletics and the ucla basketball team um, and it was my first foray into this world of sports sponsorship and branding and marketing and how it gets brought to life um, one fun story that I always like to re- recount is one of my jobs as a sophomore which sounds like the coolest job in the world for a sophomore intern um was I got to pick who did the halftime shot so they would I think Bristol Farms at the time was the partner of it okay and I was supposed to randomly select people from from inside of the arena fans that were coming to the game likely you know normally I, as a As a fan, you're supposed to give preferential treatment to the season ticket holders, so the the families that came. But as a sophomore, I couldn't help always selecting my friends to come and do the halftime shot. So (laughs) I like to say it was randomized, but um, we had some fun. And um, that was, again, my first foray into sports business and how partnerships and um sponsors and branding interacted with the business side of of our industry and from there did several other internships and um interned for Casey Wasserman and Wasserman Media Group when I was in college and um started a sports and entertainment network uh, sports business um uh selfishly as a way to learn about sports but also I had some ambition when I was in school that we wanted to create a sports business major, or at least a minor, and then quickly learned that uh, there wasn't there wasn't much of a demand for that apart from me and maybe a few of my friends. <laughs> so we started a sports business uh, association for the undergraduate and graduate students at Anderson as a way to connect, sort of bridge how and where you could get a career in the sports industry and getting um, experts and professionals in sports business to speak to students on campus. And we organized the summit every year, and um, that summit was a full-day conference where we would rent out space at Anderson and have some headliners and speakers from the likes of the Lakers and AEG and some of the big agencies, Wasserman included. And that's really when I fell in love with this idea of marrying... investment banking business mindset with sports marketing because it's just the it's just the right recipe of creativity marketing and ip and asset creation big ideas with business and intellectual curiosity
1: well, clearly that served you really well. You've had a very impressive career, um, which is far from over. Could you share a little bit more about how those early roles sort of led you to where you are today? And then also touch on, you know, where where are you today? Tell uh, tell folks what you've what you've been doing and keeping you busy, and uh, um, some of the different projects that you've been working on.
2: Going back to being in school. Um, one of the things that is really hard to answer is how do you break into the sports industry? Absolutely.
1: So yeah, very competitive.
2: Background, career has always been in, in the sports business. And so how do you find your way into the sports business? And I mentioned that we had started this sports organization, this undergraduate group to try to answer that question. Um, and really where where I landed was the way to enter is you take the first opportunity that is offered to you and you seize it, and then you build the network. And then it's, I think it's starting to shift now, but it probably will always be more about who you know and who is going to give you that first opportunity. And um, that my first opportunity after interning at Wasserman. Uh, was working for the San Diego Padres and um, a longtime mentor and family friend of mine is a gentleman named Jeff Morad, who's a professor at UCLA's Anderson School of Business at the time was the owner of the San Diego Padres. And I came to him very much uh, wide eyed in what I was hoping to accomplish uh, as a senior in college. And uh, that was doing big ticket naming rights and, and stadium um, partnership opportunities, which, you know, are in the neighborhood of seven, eight, nine, sometimes even depending on the scale and scope of them, you know, in the hundreds of millions of dollars. And I believe that I wanted to do it, but also that I could do it right out of school, um, just because I would always find myself reading about how these deals got, um, how these deals happened and where and how. And so, I got very excited, wide eyed, thought I could do, you know, big, great grand things in in the business. And my first job out of college was selling tickets inside of the San Diego Padres organization. Um, And when I first met Jeff and sat down with him, I didn't even know what ticket sales were. I didn't know that that was a part of the business, Um, not necessarily as luxurious or as as, uh as romantic as doing these big eight, nine figure naming rights deals for global rights holders. A little um,
1: different, but you know, everyone's got to start somewhere.
2: <laughs> that's right. And I, I had a number of other mentors who i have also become longtime family friends of mine. And they said, if the honor of a sports team is offering you a job, you should seize it and not ask any questions. And then just go do the best job you can and work your way up from there. And so um, I ended up being down in San Diego with a tremendous, um, tremendous front office of very high ranking uh, sports business professionals and um, really became a family and a good community and was down there for three years, um, elevated and ultimately got to a place where I was selling sponsorships for the team, um, but had to start selling. Tickets And I always joke that in the three years that I was there, we only had a winning record one time. And it was when I think my second year in the front office, we won opening day. So I would call on these um, customers who were not necessarily that interested in the team because the team wasn't playing so well. And when we won that first game of opening day, I, call, I would call everybody and start, start the call soon. Hello, this is Matt Weiner. It's um, so nice to connect with you. I'm calling from the San Diego Padres front office. Um, in case you didn't know, we're undefeated and we have the best record in all of Major League Baseball.
1: I'm <laughs> very clever.
2: So I had about, I don't know, 24 hours of that and then I think we lost the next game. and then. Um, but I, I kind of enjoyed it more and, it, and I just framed that up to say when you think about breaking into the sports industry, it's not just who you know, but it's the attitude that you have. So you have a long-term goal or you have sort of a, a North star or something that you're working towards, but at the same time, um, you wanna make sure you do the job that you're given the opportunity and you excel at that. And if you can do that and do that the right way, it it'll end up setting you up for success in the future.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's that's good advice for many industries, but I think especially in, you know, hyper-competitive sports world, entertainment world where, um, yeah, any opportunity is a great one if you can get your hands on it, but it's really important to uh, over-deliver on the expectations and the work that you're asked to do, which clearly has been a theme in your own career. You, you now find yourself at Innovative Partners Group, um, excuse me, Innovative Partnerships Group. Would you be able to tell us what uh, you're currently up to and what a day in the life looks like in this type of role?
2: Yeah, sure. So um, at Innovative Partnerships Group, uh, we I like to use this term that we are the investment bankers of in the marketing world, and that we have a A business driven mindset to how marketing is done in the sports and entertainment industry and sports sponsorship and branding and marketing, Um, but a little bit more broadly, just how partnerships between buyers and sellers, rights holders, so owners of sports teams or franchises, um, and brands, big spending brands around around the world, how they interface. And we're really at the intersection of it. one of the things that's really important and maybe different about how we think about marketing and whether it's sports or entertainment, we have a healthcare vertical where we do similar things, but in healthcare, we do it in higher education with universities and real estate projects. But the in sports and entertainment, there's always a a I would say a, a misconception of how a sponsorship is organized and negotiated. And I think oftentimes people try to create or go after a sponsorship uh, budget when most companies don't necessarily seek out trying to do a sponsorship. And um, the reason why I bring that up is we have a holistic view. So we think, you know, 360 degrees around what and how can a partnership with the likes of a sports team or league or venue, how can that really benefit a brand or a partner's bottom line? And how can that have a business impact on what the sports team is trying to do and what the brand is trying to do? And so that marriage then becomes a long-term marriage that is rooted in business measurement and modeling. And um, I use business interchangeably, but it's not just about revenue now, especially in today's world, it's about community sustainability citizenship DE&I um, HR recruiting human capital R&D uh, business development um, as a component so it's more of a holistic solution and um, what we do and I would say a day in the life depends because in the last three weeks I've been in Atlanta Georgia I've been in Phoenix I've been in Los Angeles I've been in Las Vegas and I just got back uh last night from Barcelona so oh my
1: gosh oh wow would you have that, to tell us a little bit more about what all this travels about
2: <laughs> I would say that that day in the life um you know there's still this sort of we're on zoom now so we're still in this weird orbit of COVID or you know work from home or be remote so that's a day in the life in a COVID environment so you know pre-COVID my my days, weeks were very busy, and um, a lot of different areas to take my attention. But it's been um, it's been a pretty wild journey, and uh, we started the company about five years ago, um, give or take. Um, before that, uh, I joined um, from Wasserman Media Group, where I was working for KC, and um, a number of the the executives there. Uh, so it's been a a, been a long journey to get to where we are today and I think when the company started and some of our early clients to where some of our clients are today the likes of football club Barcelona and a number of NBA franchises the San Antonio Spurs the Phoenix Suns um, some major league baseball clubs um, we've we've definitely rode that that unique differentiation in the market and how we think about partnerships differently and how we think not just about going after sponsorship, but thinking holistically about how it's how strategic partnerships really can solve for for the business that's relevant for both parties.
1: So so given the work that that you've been doing and growing out sort of partnerships and different like collaborative connections in the sports world, has has COVID slowed that down the past couple of years, it sounds like you've been really busy traveling a ton. So it sounds like no, but I'm, I'm curious to know what the um, what the past couple of years have meant for that business model and, and whether or not, um, you know, folks who are, are maybe in positions that are grappling with some of the effects of the pandemic, maybe struggling to handle that, what does that look like in your professional world?
2: Yeah, you know, it's, um, I, so I, spoke at a conference which at the time was a virtual conference um
1: as they have been
2: as they have been now now my like covid my covid timeline is i've had i bought a house i've had a baby we got a puppy we got a car so my covid timeline it's you know it feels like it's probably adulting for about 10 years it compressed into (laughs) a year and a half. But um, the very first month, the very first month of COVID, I spoke on a panel about the future of the sports and entertainment industry. And this was right around the time the NBA had just canceled the season. Um, All sports franchises and teams, leagues around the world, all live entertainment canceled. And no one really knew when and if sports would return, or live events broadly would return. Um, and I remember at the time we spoke to maybe an audience of 300 people on Zoom, and everyone had that question, which was, "How is COVID impacting sports and entertainment, and what will the what will it look like?" And, and it just orienting ourselves to today, where sports and entertainment and live events in the Super Bowl just here in Los Angeles uh, last week has um, it's come, it's come come back with with fervor and a lot of energy back at the start of COVID and I think anyone who tried to predict what it would look like didn't know what they were talking about so I, I was on this panel and they asked me that question and I said I don't know, and I work in the business. And if if anyone is trying to make a prediction, they're probably they're probably guessing. And I think it's better not to guess. It's better just to recognize that this current climate is hopefully not permanent. And um, we're fortunate in that you know two years later, and looking reflecting back on COVID, it's actually benefited our business because it's pushed the sports and entertainment industry, further to the notion of how these strategic partnerships or business partnerships in marketing um, are interchangeable. And we were fortunate in that we were well positioned because we were already doing that pre-COVID. And so now the pandemic has only accelerated the need for marketers to have a direct link to the business side and vice versa. And so today, where we are, um, we're growing significantly. Um, We've hired a number of people during COVID. We've had our best years on record during COVID. Uh, We got recognized, which was a really big deal for us um, because we're a boutique, um, relatively smaller player in the space compared to some of the big legacy um, partnership firms out there, CIA, Wasserman, Legends. the list goes on, we got selected at the start, right at, as the pandemic started as a finalist for Sports Agency of the Year. Um, and that was really compelling for us because we were, right, we were on the list right next to Wasserman. And I had left Wasserman um, to join Innovative Partnerships Group. So to see this small boutique company that we really believed in transforming how partnerships were done in sports and entertainment now sit next to some of these legacy um, firms out there and that was just the start of COVID and since then we've been on a quite quite an upward trajectory.
1: And you also personally have had a lot of success. Um, you were highlighted in CEO Magazine as the, uh, the 32-year-old who's closing $100 million deals. So we'd love to hear a little bit more about these partnerships and the way you have been successful and I have to add, you know, at pretty, pretty young age, you know, the way that you've been able to grow your career um, and find, as you mentioned, success in this time when a lot of other industries and, and folks thought the the sports and entertainment industry was really going to take a hit. And, and we'll, we'll link this in the show notes, but would love for you to speak to some of the highlights of what was written about your style and your strategy.
2: Yeah, you know, it's it's funny because when when that interview took place i didn't know what the content would be about and i think fortunately it was pretty much summed up what we do at innovative partnerships group and how we think about uncovering the hidden value behind partnerships um one of the things that jumped out was the the notion of age profiling and um the, the, the editor who is a friend of mine, I've never met in person, by the way, lives in Sydney, Australia, um, on zoom several times, but he had done this, uh, he had done this caption that he thought would create buzz. And I think one of the, one of the comments that I made was whether, you know, age profiling, whether it's young or old, um, I'm in my thirties to fifties now. So I feel like that. 30s to 50s range all kind of blends together. And especially during COVID, um, I've mentioned that one of my longtime mentors told me that I, I've adulted pretty hard, personally. Um,
1: yeah, absolutely.
2: So anyways, it's a, a, a longer topic, but uh, the notion of age profiling, I think we we get used to. I think that I always go back to it's just, it's always been embedded into what my entire career, it's all I've really known and and, and done since I was a sophomore in, in college. Um, but to get back to your question, I think the what the article and what the content behind the article really help shape is what we do, our firm, um, Innovative Partnerships group, we were not just responsible for generating revenue. Um, we we think about a holistic solution for how these partnerships uh, materialize. And um, one of the things that I always convey is there has to be a win-win-win. And when I what I mean by that is everybody says a win-win, but a win-win-win is you have to align all stakeholders. And so you have to have, whether it's an intermediary, um, of an, an outside, Firm and outside consulting firm um, that's brokering a deal. You need to make sure that all sides are in it, and there's a foundation built. And if you create that type of win-win-win environment, then you'll have a long-term partnership. And those long-term partnerships, these naming rights deals, uh, these jersey, these big marquee assets, jersey partners, um, they they don't they don't happen overnight, and you need to have a level of trust and. The in order to get a win-win-win, you need to have the business case, and you need to align what all sides are trying to accomplish. But also, everybody has to get along, and you need everyone to to like each other. And there's an ad, an old saying that friends do business with friends, and I think importantly, friends do business with friends as long as you can justify or defend a, a business case as to why the friends are doing business with friends. It certainly makes it easier, and that's where the the notion of win-win-win when, when, when comes from.
1: Thanks for sharing that. You've you've woven in um, a couple different, I'd say, pieces of advice talking about the the way in which uh, folks can make it make their own success and and find paths forward. You know, hardworking um, of the business case. But as you think about uh, a nugget of advice that you'd love to give to Bruins who are interested in maybe a similar path, maybe um, something in sports, something in entertainment, something um, in the financial world, but all highly competitive industries, what would you say would really make a difference for someone who's either pivoting, you know, that are maybe is like further along in their career or someone who's still making decisions and coming up with a plan for the future?
2: I think there's two things. One is once, once you get into the to the business, and in this case, sports or entertainment or finance, whatever it is, once you get into the career, um, it's a lot easier for you to react. And what I mean by that is, uh, don't paint the inside of a pyramid, and you won't know what's inside the pyramid until you get inside the pyramid. So you won't know what sports business really looks like, feels like, um, acts like. And you also won't really know what aspect of the sports or entertainment industry you want to be in what until you're in it. And so it's a lot easier to it's a lot easier to to get in and then sort of navigate than to try to be on it, be on the outside and try to make make it perfect. It's not always perfect. It's a it's an imperfect journey. And I think my advice would be, try to figure out your entry point and then take that entry point eyes wide open, um, give it a hundred percent and then it'll be a little bit easier for you to navigate once you're in it. Um, And the other piece of advice is really lean on your mentors and and the people that you trust and those people will be there for for a long time. One uh, one piece of advice that still resonates with me when I was a senior and I was trying to decide you know, I wanted to do these big ticket sponsorship, these big ticket naming rights activities and travel the world. Um, And, you know, I met the owner of the Padres, Jeff Morad. And one of my mentors said, just show that you can do the job and do the job that you're given and do that job well, and then the rest will fall into place. Um, And he followed up with that and said, think about assessing your decisions and where and how you want to get to in sports business or entertainment or whatever career you choose and make that decision based on people so the people you surround yourself with the opportunity um, to work for good people to learn from good people always be a student um, but also surrounding yourself in an organization that will invest in you and then what and how there's an opportunity in that organization or in that career path that you choose and what I mean by that is it's not just about having good people around you or above you to help guide you. It's it's also about the opportunity for you to make an impact. And so make sure that when you're deciding, you're choosing good people to work with, to work for, um, to work around, but you're also choosing an opportunity where you can really make an impact.
1: Yeah, it sounds like you've absolutely taken those Pieces of advice to heart in your own career based on what you said earlier in this conversation. So I love that not only are you recommending that, but you've really lived that in your own career, and we're seeing that in in your awesome success that you've had. So to transition, how have you created um, goals for yourself and how have you defined success and, and whether or not that's been a process or you've always sort of had this goal in mind of, of wanting to do like a naming rights, like a huge contract. Um, but how have you been defining or redefining that for yourself over time?
2: I, I would say it's an iterative process. Um, you never know until you get to a point And then once you get to that point, it's um, you're constantly I think you forget that when you set a goal for yourself and you accomplish that goal, um, you're always sort of onto that next goal or that those goals then expand. Um, for example, I think I ran a 10K in I was a water polo player um, and I ran a 10K in college or turkey trot on Thanksgiving and I when I was in San Diego, I wanted to challenge myself to run a marathon because I thought I had good lung capacity. So I had oxygen and could breathe. And, but I wasn't a, wasn't necessarily a a lot of running in my training for water polo. And so I attempted a marathon in San Diego and I ran that marathon and I completed the marathon. And at the end of the marathon, I passed out because I wasn't properly hydrated. Oh no. But, you know, that was an extraordinary goal that I set out for myself. And then fast forward, I think, five years later, um, I had qualified, run a marathon under three hours and qualified and competed in the Boston Marathon. Um, So I only say that that's a a personal metaphor to, from a a career guidance perspective, whatever goal you end up setting for yourself, um, as long as you set that goal and it's, you know somewhat out of reach but also attainable you'll end up creating more goals for yourself along the way and uh, once you get into that mindset which is very much a, a growth mindset and the power of positivity and all of the uh, all of the good headspace you'll ultimately find yourself not just setting goals that you want to accomplish or, or things like running a marathon and passing out at the finish line and then <laughs> Five years later, running a marathon under three hours, you you will find yourself instinctively doing your own goal setting, and it just becomes intuitive to to your day to day cadence. Um, but yeah, on the professional side, I one of one of my clients now is Football Club Barcelona, and so we're doing global rights deals for for the club, which. Reflecting back in college, if if I were to fast forward to where we are and what my firm is doing now, um, that would have been a dream come true, not just a goal. And so, um, it's a pretty special reflection. And thinking back to UCLA and in the days when I was trying to figure out how to break into the sports business to the to the work that we're doing today. Um, So as much as that was a goal, I wouldn't say necessarily it was so attainable at the time. It was probably felt unreachable, um, but we're doing it. So as long as you are able to write it down, visualize it, um, and then work towards it and in the process of working towards it, never stepping too too far out in front, um, never going too far over your skis, making sure you're doing the job that you're, you're currently in that that space and in executing. Um, it'll just it'll sort of the goal setting will kind of accomplish itself.
1: Great. Thank you for sharing that, sharing your your insight, your background, and a little bit about how you've found the success that to the level that you have in in just ah really the beginning of your career. So um, we'd love to switch over into some fun, rapid fire questions. Uh, what was a favorite place on campus when you're at UCLA? Uh,
2: there's so many. I mean, the, I would say, well, I lived in a fraternity for a couple of years in college and the, 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 we had a chef, but our chef, I love him dearly, but I wouldn't say that his food quality was necessarily the best in terms of <laughs> his, what, what he produced. Um, so one of my favorite places on campus was uh, the sorority row because they had the best food, um, so I would go over when I was studying over for lunch um, at some of the sorority houses on I think it was Hillgard. and uh, it, I had I had everything organized by day and which day had the best food at which house, and so I would organize it and also help save some money in that I didn't always have to spend money on lunch because it was full full theater.
1: creative strategic
2: yeah and then and then my other favorite place on campus was probably the wooded center just in for a number of reasons um i'm very active and so it helped get a lot of my energy out but also um they had some pretty amazing um squash courts and the the courts there if you if you book them ahead of time it's I never thought that it would have been playing um, squash or handball, uh, but to go to the women's center and have that level of access, and then um, go to go to Ackerman right after and go to Jamba Juice or somewhere else, it was a pretty special, pretty special. Reflecting back now, um, it was a pretty special access point that we had, and we were lucky enough to have at UCLA.
1: For sure, I like that. What about a great book or article that you've read recently?
2: Um I mean there's a lot of audiobooks during covid um because sure. trying to stay outside to keep my keep my head space uh, but there's I I would say there's two books that jump to mind that are that resonated with me during the pandemic um I I read them back to back The Ride of a Lifetime by Bob Iger which was his memoir and Another um, another book called "Ego Is the Enemy," which is uh, written by Ryan Holiday, um, more motivational and in, in nonfiction around personal development, and tells Ryan's story. Um, but I would actually, if if I could, well, I've done it since, but I would recommend if it's possible to read them both at the same time, because I think Bob Iger tells a f- Phenomenal story of his journey from the beginnings uh, when he was at ABC to to where he ultimately netted out as at Disney as the chairman of Disney, and then um, Ryan Holiday in his book about ego is the enemy and how he really had to navigate the the world. And I think Bob Iger does that inherently in his book, and and then ego is the enemy helps tell more of a rounded out story and gives you some good macro takeaways.
1: Okay, cool. I like that. It's a different recommendation to read them together, but I think that's very thoughtful. Thanks for sharing. And then a final question for you. What's a favorite UCLA memory that you've had that comes to mind?
2: Uh, I'll do two. And one was the going to the final four in San Antonio, um, which is a really, 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 special even though the team lost to memphis and derrick rose uh was very very good and ultimately beat us in in the in the final four just being there and being a part of that energy um helps kind of create camaraderie but also school spirit and you know at ucla it's such a big campus to have a, a fun ride like that and be a part of that long before I got into the sports business, but to to appreciate it and be a fan, um, that was pretty special. And then the second one, which is personal, and I would have to say it, is that um, my wife and I, my wife also went to UCLA and we met at um, Bruinwoods, which is the Lake Erahead summer camp, and it's an alumni resort. Um, highly recommend it for anyone who Either is an alumni who has kids, or is it if you're a student? Then I highly recommend looking to go work there because it's a pretty magical summer summer job, and they pay you to be there, and you're on the water at Lake Arrowhead for three months with all of your best friends. Um, but my wife and I met there, and we were co counselors, so that was pretty special.
1: That's awesome, and it sounds like with your your new baby, you can go as a family of three in the future.
2: Yeah, we got it. We have a four month old daughter at home and uh, her name's Kaya Joy and we need to probably enroll because we, I think there's a wait list to sign up as an alumni, but maybe we can get some preferential treatment.
1: (laughs) Double alum fam. So yes, hopefully. It's been so great to talk to you, Matt. Thank you so much for all this awesome advice that you've shared, a little insight into your strategic business knowledge Um, And certainly really fun to hear about your pathway and your career. Uh, We appreciate your time. And of course, as always, go Bruins.
2: Go Bruins.
0: Many thanks to Matt for his time with us at the Bruins Success Podcast. If you're interested in sports and business, we hope you could see a possible career path in Matt's story. For this episode's career tip, we have one from Maria Cassandra, E-Colonel, class of 2014. She shares... Reflect on what you are willing to do in order to be the person you want to be. I'll read it again. Reflect on what you are willing to do in order to be the person you want to be. Maria Cassandra's tip is a reflective one. Many people have a dream job in mind, but aren't quite certain of the realistic timeline, schooling and sacrifice it requires to reach that goal. Take the time to research and reflect on this unrealistic pathway. Are you willing to make the sacrifices it requires? Do you have the ability to flex the different hard and soft skills necessary for the role? If there's something in this potential dream job that doesn't align with your values, you don't need to choose this path. There are other options and possibilities in this big world of ours that could be the right path for you. So thank you, Maria Cassandra, for your great tip. If you have a career tip of your own, send it to us at ace at support.ucla.edu. If you send a voice memo, we can even feature your voice on the podcast. Thanks for listening. Go Bruins!